The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. You're listening to the Underdog Sports NBA Show. With host Tyler Laurie and Zandrick Ellison. Brought to you by Underdog Sports. Tune in every week as Tyler and Zan recap the biggest storylines and news in the NBA. Welcome to episode 209 of the Underdog Sports NBA show. I am Tyler Laurie and I'm joined as always by my co-host out in L.A., Zandrick Ellison. Zan, how are you today? I'm doing. I'm excited. It's our special draft show, which I always like. You never seem to like the draft. This is your favorite show of the year, wouldn't wouldn't you say? Um, maybe no. It's one of the highlights, I think for sure. And I wonder why that is. Why, like, why you don't? Because I feel like I'm I'm the average fan in that sense, where it's like it's fun to play GM, mock GM. What would you do at pick number two? What would you do at pick number seven? But why do you do not enjoy it as an actual basketball person? I, I think I suffer from like draft overload. Like if I was in a front office, I think like this would be great. And, you know, you're sitting there, you're evaluating players, but like we hear all these smoke screens and, you know, you're, you're hitting me up about potential like bets we could make on like where prospects are going. And then like the draft takes a really long time and then everyone's immediately grading it. And I think, and I feel this way about the NFL draft too. Like, I think the spectacle of it at this point has really like rubbed me the wrong way. And uh, but you know what's nice about I the sound NBA? so old saying that, by the way, like I sound like such a boomer. Well, it, you know, I understand that for the NFL draft because it's yeah, now it's, it's like, three days. Like, well, not days. only that, but it's also what like February, four months of draft talk here. We had the finals less than a week ago yeah, and now we're right into the draft. So there's not a <laughs> lot of time to dissect. it. That's that's true. I, I agree with that. And there has been a lot of stuff going on. And I think, I don't know, I, I think you get more excited about the draft if you're like a big college basketball fan. And and lately I just haven't watched as much college basketball because it hasn't been a need for me uh, to do. Plus, you know, when you have a kid, you have to kind of prioritize what you can do with your time, especially on weekends. So I think that's probably part of it. Well, too. I don't, There's a little maturity there. I think, cause when I was a high schooler and I think that's maybe the peak sports fandom when you're like 15 and you really yeah. don't have anything else to do. Um, you kind of, and you're new to the draft. You're like just third or fourth year following it. You really get overly excited. I think about this 11th pick, he's going to be the next all-star. It's like, and then you grow up and you're like, most of these guys are just going to be like starters, maybe. Um, and aside from like the top few, it's unlikely they'll be all-stars, but it's still fun. Um, I was as long so, as you keep that expectation in check. I was so excited. I think this was 2007. I can't remember if it was or not. I, I, I'll look it up right now. But so I was a, high school see I had just gone to college I think I think it was the summer after my freshman year in college I, I don't I don't honestly remember it might have been the summer going into college it might have been like right as I graduated but I was so excited for the draft and uh I wanted the Wizards to draft Al Thornton I don't know if you remember him from Florida State sure. like I wanted, him to draft, I wanted them to draft him so bad I thought he was so good and you know why that was man? because I watched so much ACC Sunday Night Hoops like I grew up in Maryland like was always on TV and Sunday night. It was like always a thing. My mom and I would watch it like seven to nine o'clock and then watch like the Simpsons or something. I don't know, but they drafted Nick young. And I remember like convincing myself like, man, Nick Young's going to be so good. It's going to be great. Like who needs Al Thornton? And as, as it turns out, like 
neither was really a needle was really a needle mover, you know? Right. <laughs> you, all fan local fans get so overly excited. I remember I was a big um, White Sox fan. This is a different sport, but they drafted like Joe Creedy, who was like a oh, good yeah, Joe Creedy was a Joe Creedy was a big name at the time. Yeah, at the time. And then, you know, he's in the minors for a while. And then everyone on like the White Sox message boards are like calling him the franchise as a nickname. <laughs> it's like and he turned out to be an okay player, but like it's really, you know, NBA is the same way. Where we, I was just talking to my brother actually last night about Steph Curry's draft and how big a deal Ricky Rubio was as a prospect. Yeah, actually, that was such a huge deal because he was in Sports Illustrated like three years before, you know. Right. Or like Lonzo Ball, both of them got like, you know, they're the next Magic Johnson. And then having, you know, flash forward a few years, they're like pretty good starters and that's fine. Yeah. Um, but it's rare to have like this sort of transcendent talent. It is. And, and, about, this year's, it. and I think that's that's the point, right? Like this year's draft has, I think, a very strong top three. Um, yeah. as much as, you know, you're going to, I think, hate on me for my Chet Holmgren opinions, cause we have them in different spots on our, on our board, so to speak. I do think like these three, while I think Anthony Edwards and I think like LaMelo are better prospects from two years ago, I don't, I, and I think like Cade is probably a better prospect just based on how the NBA is today. Yeah. Um, I think these guys would, these three would be in the number one pick conversation in most years, but I do I, agree with you. There, there isn't like a guy, like I think even if you thought Anthony Edwards was going to be like an all NBA player, like I thought he was better than these three guys were, but I didn't think even he was like a generational talent. If you right. will, Well, and also Anthony Edwards, I think resume wise was one of the weaker. For sure. For sure. Just based on the stats and what he did in college. And these guys were all, you know, so, so obviously right now we're talking about Chet Holmgren. Jabari Smith Jr. and Paolo Bancaro. And all three of these guys were really good college players. And in the case of, you know, Chet, arguably, I don't I, I don't even know who was like a first team All-American this year. I think he was the second team All-American, but like Chet was, you know, he lived up to the hype. Paolo Bancaro's team made the final four. He lived up to the hype. And Jabari Smith was probably the best player in the SEC. And so like they all put together really great freshman seasons. Yeah. And I think that's the sort of consensus and not necessarily in order, but those three, and then it seems like Jaden Ivey is pretty clear fourth for most people. We'll talk about that, but yeah, and, I, and so I, let, I don't disagree with that either. By the way, I just don't, I don't think, think he's on the same tier. There is unfamiliar with the top three, but just to like recap, as you said, you know, I think coming into the year, Chet, everyone knows him. You know, skinny white dude. In terms of Chet and Bancaro were one two, right. I would say like two one and then one two. I think however. when they played early in the year, Apollo kind of overtook him for a brief time. Right, they played against each other early in the year. Apollo was quite good. And then I don't Jabari think he... Smith like slowly creeping up, and now is considered the overwhelming favorite to go number is, one. Is he the overwhelming favorite right now? Because I've seen some yeah. other like Orlando is such an interesting, and we're not going to talk about individual. Well, teams it's like yet. minus two hundred, so it's not what's, overwhelming. What's, what's Chet? Chet was, I think he's creeping around plus one fifty now. Okay, he's, so not- yeah. He's spo- you know, he'll probably go one or two. Yeah, I don't think it seems like Orlando will take Jabari Smith. It seems like it. Part of it seems a little bit because, like, you know, it, it's hard to get a guy who's 6'11 who can really shoot. And one thing that he can do, like, you know, he's not Kevin Durant. That's not who he is, like, because he doesn't have that level, like, vertical pop. He's not, like, a great athlete. But he is a an elite shooter, like the, probably the best shooter in this draft. Right. And, he's, and just to give you some stats, he's 6'10", 6'11". He shot 42% from three, 80% from the line, very high release point. Like seems like a easily translatable skill. Seems like a guy, he has a really good pull-up game, which doesn't really excite you in the sense of like how the NBA works, but like 
you know, he's 20. So <laughs> it, it, it does seem like in a couple of years, like we could be watching this guy being like, all right, well, he does look a lot like Kevin Durant. And I think it's, it's unfair to compare him to KD, who was such an elite scorer at all three levels as an 18 yes. year old. But Jabari Smith truly does have those types of traits and he's not a bad defender, but then, and I think like that's, it, it, I think the three guys at the top, it kind of depends on how you view the NBA, right? So then you have Chet, who is basically, you know, I wouldn't even say Porzingis is like exactly like him, but you know, seven one, 195 pounds, huge wingspan, elite shot blocker, pretty elite defensive player. I think he did poorly in switches this year, more so than people thought, but he's going to play drop coverage in the NBA. And a guy that can shoot threes, you know, hit, let's hear your chat stats. Yeah. I mean, you have to look at, depends if you look at per 36 or not, because those like are off the charts because he only played 27 minutes a game in Gonzaga. Right. Which by the way, wasn't because of like fouls or wind or anything like that. They just were super deep. Right. They, he's they, actually they, a low foul player, which is yeah, surprising. He's, for he's, a, he's, a, he's a good positional defender and he's good verticality. And we'll get into a little bit why I think well, that's... If you, if you look at the per 36, you'd say, why isn't this guy the consensus topic? He averaged 19 points per 36, 13 rebounds, 4.9 blocks. And as you mentioned, shot 39% from three, only four, 71 from the line. So maybe that 39 is a little high, but still like guy who checks everything you're looking for in like a modern big guy, except yeah. the 195 pounds. You know? Yeah. And I think that the difference too, is that like, he's, he's pretty high waisted. He has very narrow hips and he has like a pretty narrow frame. And we've talked about this a bunch on the show, but like there are certain guys that you can do whatever you want and they just can't add weight. And so like, you know, if you told me Chet was going to finish his career at 225, 230, then like I might, change where i have him viewed as right now i think i i think i would probably take jabari smith first and then i i think i would take paolo second i I really don't know to be honest i I think i could flip a coin on it and it would be like positionally you know like what do you want but like chet to me if you know that he can get to his ceiling defensively which is what we saw in college it's hard not to take him right because he can he can really he's much more skilled than he gets credit for they played they played him with drew timmy at Gonzaga and like he can dribble. He can bring the ball up the court. He's not a great passer. He he doesn't come off as like super intelligent in his interviews, but he is positionally like a pretty good defender. I think his defensive feel is quite good. So I'm assuming his basketball IQ is good enough. I I, I don't think it's as high as Bancaro's, but I also think Bancaro's IQ is really high. So, but I, well, I don't know. Talk I mean, about Bancaro just in terms of his stats, since we mentioned the other guys, per 36, 19 points, only eight rebounds, played with a big guy though. And then his sort of his calling card, 3.5 assists, one block, one steal. He didn't shoot great, only 34%. Like 34%, but it seems like he's... 73 from the line. So It seems like he's a fine shooter. Like, it doesn't seem like he'd be... Like, I don't know that he'll ever be like a 40% three-point shooter, but like, I think he'll be a fine three-point shooter, right? Like, and well, he's like... That's what I like. I love ta- Tankathon, if you ever go to Tankathon, because they do have their projected three-point percentage which is a formula based on college threes and free throws. And the more you shoot, the better you fare in these stats because, you know, there's less variance and also it just shows your confidence in shooting threes. They have them at 34%, which is a little lower than you'd like, but, and compared to Jabari, 38%. Um, But I don't think the difference, I think that those both might be low. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, Honestly, like, I'm not sure. One of the things about Bancaro, I think that is, more intriguing. I don't know what the defensive upside is for him, but like he can run a team. Like I, I think that people just assume like, oh, he went to Duke. So like 
he's probably ready to be an offensive player in the NBA. But like Duke doesn't really run that particularly sophisticated offensive system. Their spacing's terrible. He did play with Mark Williams, who I, I quite like as an NBA prospect, but like he's playing with the screen and dive guy, and like Paolo wasn't in any ball screens. He basically like they'd throw it to him at the elbow with a big guy in the dunker and be like, hey, blow by your man. And I think he's the type of guy in the NBA where you like put him in dribble handoffs and like he gets a chance, like he could be a five to six assist game type guy. And maybe he could be your number two scorer, but be your primary creator. Like that, that ceiling exists for him. But I think the rebounding is a little bit of an issue because like this is a guy that's like 6'10". Like he's a genuinely huge guy. And enlisted at 250. And 250. And he's not, and he, you know, he's very fluid for that size, but he's not like... He's more fluid than like a great athlete, right? Would you agree with that? Like you don't see yeah. him, like he's big, he's strong, he can jump, but like he's not like exploding off the floor. It's much more like footwork, like get to spots. Yeah, I think I think Jabari's in the same boat where they're like NBA style wise, they're like average athletes, you know, yeah. like yeah. Which you know, everyone I always want to say everyone's an amazing athlete. Everyone in the NBA is an amazing athlete, but it's just like relatively adjust for the average starting small forward power I, forward. I think the interesting thing for me is like, I think Jabari Smith is like almost certainly a four in the NBA. Like, I I don't, I mean, we can call like whatever we want in terms of positions, but I don't think he's ever going to turn into like a rim protector, maybe a weak side rim protector. He might be that, but he's never going to be like, you could play him as a small ball five for sure. Chet is a hundred percent of five man. There's, there's no other position for him. He has to guard fives, but Paolo, I, I think his career could really depend on what, let's just assume Houston drafts him your boy Alperin Sangoon will be their five man but like you know if a team tries to like make him a three like that could be bad or good I don't know it just really depends on what his what I, I think a team or what way he's has. playing at because if he's 250 I think he's <clears> slimmed down <throat> a little bit since then then you're like maybe he has to be a you know small ball center or something but like oh. he's 240 you know playing power forward I mean there's six ten guys that are that are playing like the wing right like I mean yeah Jason Tatum's six nine, right? But he's not two fifty. No, no, he's not. He's not. But but I'm saying like we we talked about like Otto Porter, right? Who's much thinner than Paolo. Like Otto Porter is like legitimately six nine, and so like if Paolo is an inch taller than those guys, and like has some level of skill, but 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 I'm not saying I'm not advocating to play him at the three. I'm saying like I think if you do try to like railroad him into either being a three or a four, it could be detrimental to his career. Is what I'm saying. Like I think the team that drafts him has to have a plan for like how they want to employ him. Like, well, and that's like the big question him? defensively with him because it's like, and there's a bias now. Like the stereotypes set in where it's like, okay, Jabari Parker couldn't hang defensively. Marvin Bagley didn't find a position defensively. I think he's better. Just just to be clear, I think Paolo is better than Jabari Parker. I know that's the comparison everybody wants to give him. Marvin Bagley, I think there's a lot of things going on there, but I just think I, Marvin Bagley is a perfect example of what I'm saying. Like he needed but to I be don't a small think ball he five. Is. Paolo fans, there's a lot of them. A lot of people have him number one. They're like, do a lot oh, of people have him number one? A lot of people on Twitter, yeah. And they're it sounds like, like a real people are saying type situation. No, no, it's true. I'll show you. A lot of, I think a lot of times it's Houston fans who are like talking themselves into him as the top guy because they were going to get him. But there's a lot of like, Paolo is good mid range guy. He's the next Jason Tatum. Like as a shooter, he's not at that level. Well, um, I remember in in college, Jason Tatum wasn't the three point shooter that he no, was. he didn't shoot well, but he shot like eighty five percent from from the foul line. line, right? And 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 to be clear, Jason Tatum was always a wing, and I think there is yeah. a question about whether or not that's Paolo. And to, and to be clear about Jabari Parker too, like he was always a wing in high school, and then all of a sudden he got to college, he got a little heavy, and they were like, oh, let's make him a five man. And it's like, okay, well, yeah, Jason Tatum had like the perfect frame you'd want to draft, where it's like 
natural small forward maybe but he could like bulk up and play power forward if you need him to like paul is like already there yeah exactly I, I agree with that, that that's a, that's where like like keegan murray has more of a frame like jason tatum does and, and i'm not i'm not don't get me wrong i'm not comparing keegan murray and jason tatum but it's like you know keegan murray could be tobias harris right like where he could put enough weight on to play the three or play the four and paolo i think it, it's, it's going to be tough because like i don't know he's got a really good post-up game, really good from the short corner, really good from the elbow, but like 250 might be the right weight for him. Like that might be where he's supposed to be. Like settle the debate. So those are the top three. I think you would rank them one, two, three in some order, right? So tell me you came down on Jabari Uh, one, Paulo two, Chet three. uh, Yeah, I think so. And I, and I want to clarify for Chet just specifically the reason he's three for me is I just don't, I don't necessarily believe in the frame, but I also just don't think that like a guy like him has the potential to be the best player on a championship team. And I, I and while I do think Paolo's ceiling might be a, a bit lower, I think like he can run your offense. And that to me makes him a better pick for today's NBA. And then Jabari Smith, like I said, I, I just think the ceiling is, he's probably a pretty high floor prospect, Zane, in the sense that he'll always yeah. be able to make open shots, I would imagine. But I don't know how good he'll be. He plays hard, by the way. Like, I, I think there's, like, a knock on him that he's soft. Because that's another thing. Like, Chet plays super hard and, and like, goes at you. High-energy guy. Apparently, he works his absolute ass off. Like, he's in the gym. Doesn't give his body time to recover. You know, all that stuff. But I think Jabari Smith has kind of, like, the, yeah, he's a little soft. He doesn't want to get yeah, to the I, rim. that's my perception, too. So, that's good to know that you don't think that's true. I don't, I'll give I you don't my rankings. Can I give you my top three? Don't you have Chet one and then it's like a million numbers and <laughs> no. then like 40 is Jabari Smith? Well, sort of in the sense that everyone, I think you're in the boat, like it depends what you need, depends what you want, you know, philosophically. They're all top prospects. I think Chet Holmgren is clearly the best prospect. And I would take him, and I'm not saying he's miles ahead like you're joking about, but I would take him oh, number but- one if I was any team in the NBA. What? And I'm just saying, I think so much of the the knocks against him, I think you have some points about lateral quickness or whatever, but 90% of the knocks against him, I think, are just like the way he looks. Well, and it's just I, like how like gangly he is, how like white he is. All right, hold on. Let me, let me do, clear, let me specify one thing. His hips and his shoulders, that is how he looks in a sense. But from Right, a but I don't think most, scene, I'm saying most, you're like looking at it like a scout. Like that's Remember legit. I was telling you this, we were, we were talking about this about Mo Bamba. Remember that like, I was like, I, yes. I don't like his hips because they're so Or bull or whatever. Yeah, because like, like those guys have a really hard time maintaining a center of gravity when guys drive through their chest because like they just have really long legs. But I agree. Like you, you're raising legitimate bass points. I think majority of people look at him and be like, he's you're too saying, skinny. You're saying I don't think that's look, He's legit. a goofy looking white guy. This is yes. Sean Bradley 2.0. We're not going to draft him. I, I think, I think, I think think he is unless there's the only reason i would not take him number one is if there is like some sort of actual medical, medical problem which like we haven't we, i think we would have we would have heard this by now although he was, was like protecting his medicals maybe just because he wants to go to oklahoma city or whatever but i don't know there may be some red flags there so if he it turns out he has like a heart problem and he busts in three years don't blame me for that but I think no, no. I, I think if he right. looked a different way, like I, that weight doesn't even bother me. Honestly, like, I'd rather so, have him too. There's never too, there has too. never been a guy like this. Seriously, like, and that that's that's I think the problem. I, I do think, by the way, Zan, I think one. But I don't even point. know if he, you know, that we throw out this 195 that he's listed at. 
I don't know if that's even updated. Like that's just sort oh, of updated. old listing. Is, is he still one ninety five? He doesn't gain weight. Like I, I'll tell well, you that this. Would, that would be a question to me. Like what does he walk into lock. campus as? What does he weigh now? He's like an absolute lock to look terrible in whatever suit he picks. He'll probably pick like a <laughs> short legged suit, like the high water suit and like loafers. And Chet is just not like he's just not a guy who you want to see wearing a suit. As well, you, I just think I think as, the, you, as you mentioned, he probably is better suited to wear overalls with nothing under it. Hat what? and then like eat eat like a, a seed of hay. As oh, <laughs> but I just think he's. I just think the defensive impact is so helpful. Just the fact you that think he can that be he capable. will. Do you think that he can play defense in the NBA next year? I think he might be a year or two away, but I think he's going to be an All NBA defender, um, All Defensive Team defender. So, all right, let's 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 run this exercise right now. Where would Rudy Gobert get picked? You have a free draft of anybody. If where would Rudy Gobert get picked if Let's he could dribble and shoot threes decently? But, well, but, I think but he would you be the number know, one. But pick. you don't know. But like, okay, so so yes, good point, right? That's a good point by you. But Rudy Gobert is also like a million times the screen setter and like roller that Chet is, and he is an, a highly effective offensive player doing that specifically. And you can put a bunch of other shooters around him. They do different things, but we're talking strictly defensive impact. Rudy Gobert is the best. I would right. say we, I, I we think he's, he's more, the best rim protector in the NBA. Right. right? I don't I, know if he's the same kind of guy. Like I think no, he's if different. You look he's statistically, if you look at pure stats, close your eyes and just look at the the box scores. Chet Holmgren's defensive stats are very similar to Anthony Davis, Evan Mobley type guys, and whatever you can make all the excuses. Like eye test wise, maybe they're not the same, but like I think that's closer to what he is. Than being Sean you Bradley think he'll be or being Bull Bull. No, I don't. I, I don't think he's Sean Bradley either. By the way, I just was saying that it's like, oh, tall guy, white, like eh, yeah. weird looking. Do you think <laughs> he that, does look weird too? I'll do give you, you that. think that Chet can switch on NBA guards? Yeah, I today? do. I don't. I think you know what I it is. I think because we talked about it. I think last week, where I think length is so much more helpful than athleticism, even defensively. That's that's probably true, but yeah. at the same time, like. Well, you saw like Robert Williams was, is a better athlete, but I was going to say though, like, would you rather have Chet or Robert Williams? And the answer is obviously you'd rather have Robert Williams because he's good. But if you're Houston or Oklahoma City, you'd probably rather have Chet. And just but like Robert Williams better. showed you, like there was a few times where in the in the finals where somebody would get by him, but then his like just recovery and length would just like, like yeah, he, just he smash made, the ball away. He made Jordan Poole's life pretty miserable. Yes. I will tell you right now that I don't think Chet has that level of defense in him. From the perimeter. I, I, watching him From play because I watched a I watched a good amount of him. I in Team USA I watched him. I, no, no, know, no, I'm tournament. I'm, I'm, I'm saying like all, he, all I'm saying Zan, is 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 Robert Williams' ability to recover. I think is elite. I don't think Chet has that. Ability. No, I, I agree with Chet that. A, but as a weak side and on ball shot blocker, he's Walker Kessler's better on the ball. But like, but Chet I, is I'm elite. just saying this. Watching Chet, like, there are few NBA defenders where I can just watch and tell that the opponent is like afraid of them. Like they are adjusting their game plan and the way they're people, attacking. Like Robert Williams were, in the finals is one of them. Ben Wallace used to be like that too, where it's yeah. like people were just- Rudy, like, Rudy is like that for sure. Yeah, and I think watching Chet, like people just did not want to challenge him. I think um, that um, you are a bit enamored with WCC competition and a lot. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm just being honest. I wasn't watching like, a lot of that. I was watching a lot of him versus Duke and watching a lot of him in the- you know, And he was okay in those games. Team and, but, France and- but but. 
that, that Victor was Wemba. That's funny because watching Team USA and uh, Jaden Ivey had like a breakout. When Banyama, Wemby. It was funny because Chet was like clearly the best player in Team USA. And then yeah, he won against France. It's like, player, oh, this right? guy is so much better than Chet. Yeah, it's it's weird. And and like three or four inches taller. Like, I, And that's another thing too. Like, I don't think anyone is like deliberately tanking yeah. for Wemby. But like, you know, Amani Bates is very clearly not going to be the number two pick in next year's draft unless he like has an, a total career renaissance wherever it is he ends up. But like Victor, like that guy's been really good I mean, at it's all. It's crazy because I'm saying Chet's a clear number one and that guy was clearly better than better, him. Yeah. And younger than him too. Like, it, you know, <laughs> and on a worse team. Like it's, it's, it's interesting, but, but, but so I, I do just think, hold on, let me, point. let me okay, close on, the book on Chet for like one okay. second. But he's my number one. And I, I don't mean like miles ahead. I just think, no, you think I would take, you know, like a notch ahead of the other two. I, I think that, um, I think that it is very valid to say that you think his floor as a defender makes him better than these other two guys. Cause it's not like Paolo and Jabari Smith are like without blemishes. They, they certainly are, but I do think that there is a chance that like, he's just like miles Turner and that's a very good NBA player. And you probably are not, if, if you're like, let's say, let's say you're Oklahoma city and you get him at two, that's a guy that's on your team when you make the playoffs. And that's important, right? You you want a star, you go star hunting, but like if you're Oklahoma City and you have a ton of picks, then like, sure, take a gamble on Chet, right? Like you're probably maybe it's better than Jabari Smith for them because they don't yeah, really and that, that was gonna be my next point about the next two where it's like I do, I do think though, if you need shooting, you want to take Jabari Smith. Well, I think Chet. like then that's a I set think, shooter. So usually at the top of the draft, you take best player available. I think he's the best player. But then if it's close, like I think Jabari and Paulo. Then it's like a matter of fit, like you're saying, and, and you, you hit on exactly what I thought. It's like Jabari like fits every team, so if you feel like your team's pretty good and you just need like somebody to come in be, you know, a good second or third option, you know, I think he's the guy. But I would rank Paulo slightly higher for teams that really need like a star, a star, yeah, because yeah. like, he's like the ceiling. upside swing. Paulo's really good. It's it's kind of interesting. Like he's kind of a soft spoken guy, but like his. His size and skills, like it's like he Jabari, looks a Jabari lot better Parker, than his stats were. Jabari Parker feels like an unfair comparison to him, knowing what we know about Jabari Parker now. Like it, it feels like Paolo's comparison is like kind of like a more physical Ben Simmons, seriously. And he's like more skilled than that. He's not as good a passer as Ben Simmons, but yeah, but he's a good passer. He's a good really passer. good footwork. You said he's got great feet. ball handling. If 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 he can become a better three point shooter, I, I do think the other thing with him too that is a little bit frustrating, and this does bother me, he does have the ball tend to stick in his hands, and like that. And again, that could be a you know, when you've got Mark Williams, like at the dunker spot and like yeah. 17 people in front of you, you got to kind of dissect what's going on. But like there were games where it just felt like Duke could have gone to him every possession and he could have scored and he just didn't do that. And that that makes well, me worried because that was like the big thing about Ben Simmons. Bold prediction. And Jabari Smith, to his credit, like people think he's a hard worker. He's the youngest one. Yeah, he's really young. And he had a big center with him, too. So maybe he has more in like the tank than he, he than also he played much more on the perimeter, too. Yeah. So but I will say this. I think Paulo and Chet are the rare prospect where like they have a good chance, good chance, you know, being, you know, 30, 40% of being like a top 10 MVP candidate one day. Mm-hmm. And it would be different case. Like Paulo would be more like the Carmelo kind of case. And or Julius Randle was like fifth one year, right? Or Chet, I think, would be more like, you know, when Joe Kim Noah was like third 
mm. MVP. You know, it's like where he's just like the best defender on a good defensive team, and then he adds enough offense. Yeah, like when John Hollinger wrote Rudy Gobert was like second in MVP last year or something. Yeah, like, I think they're those are and and they might bust too. I mean, especially Paula. Like, who knows? You know, if yeah, Chet, um, Chet would seemingly have some utility if his body holds up. Like, if he's not Nicholas Shkidashvili or like Dragon Bender, like in terms of like their physicality. He would seemingly have utility regardless because he can make a three. We, we like all these guys. So let, let's talk about the fourth guy, which I think we're a little more mixed on because everyone's yeah, so, like Jaden Ivy's clearly fourth. Some people like him more. Well, let's than let's that. just talk about this next tier, right? The like yeah. Ivy, Keegan Murray, Shaden Sharp, Dyson Daniels, Benny Matherin is probably the next five ish guys, right? Like those kind of like wings. Well, yeah, Ivy is, I think, four. Let's let's separate them by position then because the, the wings you're talking about, Jaden Ivy's supposed to go four from Purdue, average. You know, per 36, again, 20 points a game. Um, Shaden Sharp didn't play at all. Average zero points a game from playing kind Kentucky, of. Kentucky. Yeah, he just was there one year, but got there late. It's Dyson helpful. Daniels is, you know, an Australian kid, played in the G League. Good year in the G up, League. But yeah, seven but rebounds, five assists a game, two steals a game. Plus, he's got 36. legitimate size for a potential point guard, but you could play him in that, like, point guard wing position that, like, Drew Holiday plays, you know, Marcus Smart and, type guy. And I'd throw Benedict Mathern in there. He's he's sort of like a pure shooting guard. I'm going to give you this much right 26 now. 26 and three per 36. I like Benedict Mathern the best of those guys. That's Shane, a bold okay. state. So here, 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 let's, so Jay Nivey, let's talk about him for a second. Uh, the only guy with, like, in my opinion, elite, elite in-game athleticism in terms of like getting to spots, like absolutely hellacious downhill driver, like gets to the rim, definitely looks like, you know, Russell Westbrook, whatever, John Morant, whatever you want to call him. He's, he, he doesn't have that John Morant, like wiry frame as much as he has that like power frame. Or like Dwayne Wade, he reminded me of too. Yeah. Uh, very right-handed, not a great shooter. He's an okay shooter, not a great feeler of the game. Doesn't really pass on the move. I don't like him as a point guard. I do agree with you in that Dwayne Wade sense where like he can, kind of be your creator but like it's more for him uh, i think his upside is very real because of the athleticism uh there were the concerns i think on offense and uh, aside from the shooting and, and like the lack of the left hand i'm a little worried about like the intel that i've heard and this hasn't really gotten reported by like other draft people when they talk about weaknesses but like i just have not heard great things about him as a teammate and that Purdue wasn't really unhappy to see him declare for the draft, despite how good he was, you know, whatever big 10 player of the year, all that nonsense. Like, I don't even know if he was that Keegan Murray probably was, but I just am a little bit, we hear all this stuff, like his mom's the head coach at Notre Dame and like he's a coach's son. And like, I just heard after he got back from team USA, like he was a different kid than when he went before. And I'm a little worried that like, he's a bit more of a big time guy. And I, you know, I heard that after they lost to St. Peter's, he was not really upset that they lost but more so that like he played pretty poorly on a stage in front of a lot of NBA scouts. And so that worries me. Uh, and I'm not the only person that's heard stuff like that. So, you know, I think it's probably okay. Uh, I think a lot of times people just, you know, they're, they're trained to figure out things about prospects. Right. So a kid that like this year, he was focused on getting the NBA and getting paid. Like, it's probably not the worst thing in the world, but it is different than you hear from a lot of kids. And so like that, that worries me a little bit, but I, I do think probably on talent alone, he's definitely the fourth best player in this class. Him or Shane Sharp. And just you sure. shot away from saying Benedict Matherin, you like more. Yeah, I like him the I, best of those five. I, I agree with you. And we're probably the only podcast that would think this, but here's the argument, my argument for Matherin over slightly over Ivy. It's like, Ivy was riding a high from that team USA. He played really well. And then like kind of shot his stock up really high. 
but if you just look at like the pure resumes, like Matherin is also a sophomore. He's a year well young. As, he's like a year younger than Ivy too, isn't he? Uh, he's younger. He played. Uh, he's not better. Younger. He's just a couple months younger. He played better as a freshman than Ivy did. Pretty much the same statistically as sophomores. You know, uh, it's just but no one paid attention to Matherin, you know, at all. And I would think for, I think Ivy's upside is higher. But if you're a team like Sacramento. I think the fit is just easier with Matherin. You know, he's is a better shooter. Um, he's a little bigger. I I think you know he he doesn't like need the ball necessarily. I don't think he can necessarily play, you know be a high volume guy anyway with the ball handler. But he just seems like such an easy plug and play starter. I think there might be more. I think there might be more uh, creation there. I kind of I kind of think like if you're Sacramento, <laughs> and I don't really know. I don't think they're going to take Benedict Matherin, uh, and I don't think anyone's going to trade up to get him. It seems like that's going to be Jaden Ivey or Keegan Murray in that spot, depending on who picks. But, like, Matherin, you know, if you're New Orleans, like, that's a home run, I think. They need shooting. Like, they need some more defense. They need wings. And, like, you know, a six six guy who can shoot on the move, like, it's uh, – I really like yeah. him. I, but I like him based on what today's NBA is. I totally understand if you're going star hunting – and you want to take Jaden Ivey or you want to take Shaden Sharp. I don't necessarily understand taking Keegan Murray first before Matherin because I don't think Keegan Murray offers the defensive upside, but obviously Keegan Murray is a really good player. Like he's, you know, I think he's ready to score in the NBA as well. He'll do it a little bit of a different way than Matherin does. He's, he's an absolute beast in transition, but I do think that Murray is probably more, like I said, in that Tobias Harris mold where he's going to have to play the four sometimes and, Whereas Matherin, I think, is just going to be a wing and he can guard the other team's best player at his right. peak. Like, I just don't know. Hope. I don't know a world in which Ben Matherin, because he's apparently a good guy, too. Yeah. And he's um, like you said, he's a 20 year old sophomore. And that is one of the things that we need to kind of specify. Like Jabari Smith is 19. Chet is a year older than Jabari Smith. Chet's six months older than Paolo. And that could factor into team's decision as well. Is that you? Um, you have younger guys, but Matherin. Well, I think that really applies to Keegan Murray. He's getting some hate for being twenty-two. Right, he's twenty-two, and he's a sophomore. He'll t- he'll turn twenty-two like shortly. Obi Toppin style, and whether yeah. that's good or bad it depends on how you think of Obi Toppin. Who's but like Dyson Daniels on. is is nineteen. Shaden Sharp is nineteen, and that yeah. that, that stuff does matter. And I think you know, well, I think little... Keegan Murray. I can see that being like a Matherin comp in the sense of feels like a safe starter, though. Right, those right? two guys. I mean, seem like their floor is NBA starter. I agree. Yeah. And I think I tend to agree with you that Matherin has more upside though. Cause Keegan Murray like shot really well this year, 40% from three, but he doesn't profile as that good of a shooter. And you Not, don't expect him to be given the opportunities opportunities to score in the NBA right away that he got at Iowa. So the way he did score in a lot of different ways, don't get me wrong. And and, and it's part of it's just that, like he was like a beast in transition and like a great rebounder for like you know, he's always moving. And I think that stuff matters, but like, if he goes to Detroit and, you know, like Cade's got the ball, you know, he's going to have to figure it out. And I think, I don't think he's like ready to do it right away, but I do. Again, I, I agree with you. I think his floor is low. But I would say like my overall takeaway from this, like sort of next tier is I think Matherin's as good as Ivy, you know, depending on what you want in yeah. the sense. So if I was originally, I was gonna say, if I was Sacramento, I would try to trade down, and then I get think, Matherin. I think but that it makes seems the most like sense like, them is to trade down and take Murray. Yeah, or trade down because we just are a little scared of Ivy. But it sounds like those guys are going, you know, Matherin and and Murray are probably going five six. So maybe there's not much room to trade down anymore. Yeah, that's what I think. And then I think that next, like Dyson Daniels, uh, I don't know a ton about him. I know he had a good year with the G League. He was the best of like the high school prospects. 
I know people like him, you know, defensively. People love him. There was one report that said Indiana worked him out and said it was the best workout they'd ever seen or something. Uh, We've heard that before. And in some (laughs) cases it turns out to be true with Kevin Garnett and in other cases with like, I don't really against the chair. If if you're talking about upside top 10 picks, Shaden Sharp and Dyson Daniels, I don't really see it with Dyson Daniels. I'll tell you. He's just not a great athlete, I think. And that's part of it, but he's got a really high basketball IQ and he's young too. But I saw like once the comp was like, he's like Ben Simmons both Australian I mean, he's six, and black guys, but legitimately six, seven, which yeah, so is really big, you know, passers, you know, two steals a game, good defender, but they said he's like Ben Simmons without the ball handling and athleticism. Right. And, like, and he's still, and he's still like, that's a big problem. Then. Um, a little better shooter, but still not a good shooter. So I don't so know. What is he Ronde, so is he Ronde Hollis Jefferson? Like we right. saw how that worked out, you know, like a, a passer who could play in transition, who could guard, like those guys can't play. They can't shoot. It just is right. kind of what but, it that's is. A, that's exactly my point. Cause it's like, we hear that a lot of times where it's like the wing, everyone wants like a point forward. Great. That would be ideal. But like the wing, who's like a pretty good playmaker, but in the NBA, like they're not as good as an NBA point guard. So they're going to be like your fourth or fifth guy. And then all of a sudden, you're asking them to stand in the corner and shoot. And if you can't do that, then we got a problem. So yeah, it's like, I, I think Dyson Justice Daniels Winslow or Jared Culver were like that, where yeah. they were like, maybe they could be point guards. Like probably not. Probably not. And, and what are they going to do? I don't, I don't recall that Justice Winslow can be a point guard, but the Jared Culver. He, there like, was some point Winslow talk. So I will say, I do think Dyson Daniels is a fine top 10 pick. I am very curious to see what happened with Shaden Sharp. And then I think we'll, after we kind of talk about this, like top 10, I think we can start talking about some other guys if you yeah, want sure. positions, but like that, that's inevitable. What else would we do? Yeah. Um, but I'm, <laughs> I, I think the Shaden Sharp thing, like I really thought that Shaden Sharp was going to settle in at five. Like I was pretty yeah. confident that Ivy would go ahead of him just because I think some team with, that, that really wants a lead guard will go get Jaden Ivy, whoever that is, right. Whether it's Sacramento, it's Detroit, it's Indiana, it's Washington. I, I don't know. I think somebody will get Ivy at four, but Shaden Sharp, I think, you know, he's, he's, not as tall, you know, he's six, five, whatever, but like really good pull-up game, like pure jumper, like absolutely elite athlete at the wing spot. And I'm very curious to know, and we may never find out kind of like what happened in his workouts. Cause it feels like he's falling. And I do think part of it is that like, it's hard to take him if you're not really confident in keeping your job. And also it's hard to take him if you think you might be able to win in like a year, because like he really hasn't played basketball, but I know some people that think he's like, the second most talented guy in the draft, but he's not getting that buzz. Like, like why would Detroit or Sacramento not take Shaden Sharp? If it's like, Hey, we, we absolutely have to get a star. Like this guy, he has legitimate star potential. And so like, but it must've just not been going well in workouts. Seriously. Well, like, or he's dodging. There's some talk he's dodging and picking his destination, but like picking his destination, where does he want to go? I, they said Oklahoma city. Everyone seems to want to go to Oklahoma city for some reason. It makes a lot um, of sense for Oklahoma city to move, to try to get to like seven. Like I, we heard about this like Lou Dort and twelve four seven from Portland to go get Shaden Sharp. That that deal makes sense, although it doesn't really make Portland like all that much better. But like, there's not that much difference in like the twelfth pick and the seventh pick. So well, I agree with you on Shaden Sharp. So when I first watched him, he, and he turns out he was not good to the draft. You watch his highlights, and I'm like, man, like maybe he should be the second pick or something. Yeah, I mean, like he just I like mean, the upside is there. Unbelievable athleticism and like ability to get spots like on offense, like. Right. Not a lot but of like how, how can you that this is my eventually my my logic prevailed because I'm like, how can you justify taking him over guys who have proven to be productive players? Because you look at last this time last year, so many projected lottery picks 
played and didn't play well, and then they their stock drops like a rock, like Jaden Hardy, Patrick Baldwin, Caleb Houston, all these guys had disappointing freshman years. And to basically hide from that is be, makes you such a big risk. It's smart. I actually think it's smart. I don't know if top 10 prospects should play college anymore or even go to the G League because it's like you're just risking your stock. Um, but it does make you a big risk. And so it would be hard. But I, I'm going to be very excited for any team that takes him because there is like that sort of like mystery box potential. We do love the mystery box. I think the other guys that could end up in that like kind of like top 10 mix, like AJ Griffin, I, I don't necessarily think so, although his age is a big factor. Jimmy Sohan seems to have like some, some love there, which from Baylor, you know, he's kind of like a more defensive version of Keegan Murray, plus a lot younger. I think Jalen Duran has really, Roizen lately, I thought Mark Williams would definitely get drafted before him, but Duran, given his age and how well he shot it at his pro day, and Jalen Duran is legitimately like 18 years old as of today, like 18 and a half years old or something. So like, I think Duran could end up in that top 12. Uh, and then Johnny Davis, I think is the last guy that I kind of want to talk about in this group. Like, I think Johnny Davis had legitimate top five potential to start the year and he seems to have really fallen. Uh, but I, I like Johnny Davis. I think he is also pretty high floor guy in the sense that I think he can score in the NBA. I think he's got a good mid-range game. I think he can extend his range. I think there's some really CJ McCollum vibes there, but at six, five, what I'm curious as to your opinion of Johnny Johnny. Davis. Yeah. Especially because it's Wisconsin. Right. And we know they play the swing and like, we know that it's like a stupid offense for college kids. So like, I'm just, I think there's more. Yeah, I could see some upside too, where it's like he averaged again per 36, 20 points a game, 21 points a game. And you pointed it out when we were doing our tournament stuff. Like he was hurt towards the end of the year. Yeah, he had an ankle injury that really bothered him, and that makes maybe yeah. soft. I don't know. Yeah, well, in the last week of the season, he or last two weeks, he shot three for nineteen against Michigan State, four for sixteen against Iowa State. So did that really tank his numbers? Past the you know made him like two people too low on him now. I don't know. I mean, I definitely would consider him you know top ten just based on project upside. I. Because he is one of those guys where it's like, if he turns out to be a 20-point guy, I wouldn't be shocked at all. Yeah, I agree. He's smooth. And like I said, the, the big thing holding him back is that, like, he just wasn't a great three-point shooter in college. But also, you know, again, Big Ten basketball, your spacing's not great. Like, he's not a great shooter off the dribble. He might be a better shooter off, off the catch. I, I, I like Johnny Davis. I don't know if he's definitely going to go in the lotto. I like how he rebounds, too, for a guard. Because I think he's definitely a two. And he's got some size and length to him at that spot. Like I, I'm, I think in the beginning of the year, I think I told you that I would take AJ Griffin in the top five. Yeah, I think I'm off that. Uh, Me too. He can really shoot the ball. Like I, I mean, really, 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 really shoot the ball. But the injuries and like his lower body. Yeah, he might the be thing the worst. that scared me is like AJ Griffin because you look at him like seven might, foot wingspan, shot forty five percent from three. What's wrong with that? He's like eighteen and a half year. At least, I think he's the youngest guy in the draft, actually. Yeah, but like the problem is, like you said, like he had some major injuries, and then I read too much of like if he gets his athleticism back, if he gets his, I'm like <laughs> it's, it's. I've heard that before, and it never works out. Yeah, and and he was so bad defensively, and again, you know, playing behind Mark, playing in front of Mark Williams, you can afford to take shots, but like. AJ Griffin was probably, I mean, arguably the worst defense, defensive player I saw in college basketball this year, which is, I guess, at the high major level, there's probably worst defenders. Yeah, but, but and speaking of Duke guys, where it's like, still waiting for Jabari Parker to get his, you know, <laughs> or Harry Giles. Remember Harry Giles? Yeah, I, I waited like five years for that to come. And, and I think like it's not, you know, it's not AJ Griffin's fault. I think, but I do think like obviously he's gonna 
you know, because he's not 19 yet and he did shoot 45 percent from three at the high major level and you know his dad's an assistant coach in the NBA yeah that's a good thing I think that like he he very clearly has you know he should be drafted in the lottery in my opinion but I I think like Like I was unless it's like a real health issue like skill wise like that's what you like if his medicals are terrible I understand it for sure it was like the Harry Giles I want to ask you about one two guys out because like the two like sort of risky upside funky kind of players because everyone's looking for an AJ Griffin type you know in theory like the three and d wing you know he just does, hasn't delivered on that but the guys who don't fit that mold you know you mentioned jeremy sohan like good defender but kind of a wonky shooter terry we, eason is a we slight. hear we hear that sohan can shoot but we don't really he see looks, his form looks okay but what do you make of terry eason or however you say his name because on paper statistically great stats but he was a sophomore coming off the bench and, and looks 21. odd. His like 21. shot looks odd. So one thing with Tari Eason, he shot the ball well this year, but he does have a hitch in his shooting motion. And as you've heard me say a million times, if it goes in, don't mess with it. Uh, he has really long arms. And I think that really limits your ability to be like a great shooter. Cause it's hard to make your motion like really repeatable unless it's very slow. Uh, Eason, I think, you know, he plays super hard. He's always going to defend. Uh, I have heard his basketball IQ is not high. I've heard that like he had trouble remembering plays. I've heard that like LSU kind of just let him do whatever he wanted and it worked because he was coming off the bench and he was like an energy great sign. And so I don't know. How though, many plays are there in the NBA? Is there, I mean, in college basketball, I mean, is it really that hard to remember? It depends on who your coach is. I don't, I don't know. Will Wade probably runs more sets than, than anything, but like, I, I don't know how many like quick hitters Will Wade has, but like, I think, you know, Eason, I don't like him as a guy that can score in the NBA because I don't think he can get his own. I think he can, you know, luck his way into like garbage points. But I do think there's a chance he could be an absolute, like really elite perimeter defender. And if, right, he, can, that's... if he can make a corner three-pointer, that is a very valuable skill in the NBA. But if he's Andre Roberson, you can be the best defender in the entire world and you can't play. And so like that part worries me a little bit because like I just don't, you know, like I know Tari Eason shot it well from the foul line. I think he was like an 80% foul shooter, but like his, his jump shot form is concerning. It, it doesn't seem to me like he's going to be a guy that's going to be like a knockdown shooter. Well, cause I, when I was doing like my mock draft or who I would take, I, he's really intriguing to me for a team. Like let's say like Washington, where it's like you have two offensive guys who are shooters and you just need like a muck it up defensive guy. His defensive number and the way he plays it's like very aggressive defense. 2.9 steals per 36 fouls a little too much. Yeah, the but, stocks. The st- where did Kevin yeah. Pelton have him in his rankings? Because really Pelton, high top five. I, I was gonna say because Kevin Pelton's thing is like steals and blocks are so important, and he he does that. Yeah, I mean, like it's just he I could see him being like he's the kind of guy like if he was older, like he could guard this the kind of guy you want guarding LeBron four, or Giannis 4. or whoever. 4.6 stocks per 36 minutes. That's pretty darn good. But it's it seems like argue. he's falling quite a bit. In the latest mock draft, I have somebody saw him at 18. And for a guy who statistically has like a top 10 profile. It's, it's, it's weird that like EJ Liddell from Ohio State has like more buzz than like Tari Eason, right? Because like Liddell is not the same type of athlete. He's a little bit shorter, but he can make a three. He kind of has those Draymond Green vibes a little bit to him where like, okay, we can play him as like a bigger wing, Grant Williams, if you will. Right. But like, right. I agree with you, maybe two years ago, Tari Eason's like a fourth, the fourth overall pick in this draft because of like his measurables. Cause Tari Eason's wingspan is like fantastic. Yeah. I like him. I, I would take him in top 10 just, and I like him more than Sohan who's similar, but they're both like, I do think, you know, you know Eason, the, the big difference is right. 
Eason is 21. So we don't know how much more there is with him. And then Sohan is is 19. 19. And I think that that's, that's part of it. And also like, it is very possible that we've seen the best of Tari Eason just in terms of like, this is what you get. And he probably can't play in the NBA, but I don't know. But do you what want to give me other guys you like? Give me some guys that are sort of. I really. Okay. Let me give you one that I'm sure you're surprised at. I really like Mark Williams. Like, I think that he can yeah, do. Mr. Anti-Center. I think he's probably a backup center no matter what. He's like a great kid. He was better at the end of the year. He's not going to try to become a wing. Uh, he is absolutely ridiculous wingspan, great rim protector, really bouncy, really fluid. Mark Williams to me at 13 or 15, like just like with those Hornets picks or right at the back end of the lottery makes a ton of sense. I don't think you should take him sixth, but I think in the middle of the first round, Mark Williams is an absolutely slam dunk. Like he can contribute to your team type player. Uh, I really do still like Ty Ty Washington. I know people seem down on him and he's probably going to be like a mid to late first round pick, but he was really good before he got hurt. He also didn't get to play point guard at Kentucky. And we know that John Calipari picks one guy who's allowed to like handle the ball and playing with severe Wheeler kind of took the ball out of his hands. And I think he's going to get that Kentucky bump from wherever he goes and he'll be healthy. Uh, I did hear his conditioning was pretty bad at his workout. So that makes me worried, but I like Ty Ty Washington a lot. And I think whoever drafts him will be getting a guy who could potentially be the best point guard in this draft. Uh, and then the other guy that I, I do really like that I think this is like a total like out of left field pick. I, he's going to be a first rounder, but like I think if you're star hunting and you're in the middle of the first round, I think Blake Wesley from Notre Dame is a guy to circle because there is a chance that he never becomes a good player. He's very, very raw, but like his first step, his quickness, his finishing package, like he could have probably been this year's Jaden Ivy if he stayed in school for a year, but he's a freshman and he played at Notre Dame and they do have a very wide open offense. So there is some things that we've seen, but I like Blake Wesley. And I think if you're drafting in that like 15 to 25 range and you think like, Hey, let's just swing for the fences. Like I think Blake Wesley makes a lot of sense based on how big and strong and athletic he is and what we've seen him do as a very young player. I like I said, I, yeah, I, just, I was curious about him because there's guys like in that range where it's like, again, per 36, but Blake Wesley for Notre Dame averaged 18 points. Bryce McGowan's for Nebraska, 18 points. Jaden Hardy just shot a bunch in the mm-hmm. G League. Bryce McGowan's, by the way, it's apparently like definitely going to be a first rounder, which I mean, I get it. He's like six 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 seven with like a ton of skills, but he's really soft. But he seems to be a guy that's a riser. And the, you know what? Actually, while we're on it, I really like Wendell Moore. Like this is like a Duke draft. But he's older, but like Wendell Moore's like six six, like do it all kind of wing. Like if you get him at like thirty three, that's a pretty darn good player. Yeah, that like, that was going to be my point too. It's like in the NFL, my like philosophy is like when in doubt, draft, draft the line, right? Draft the line, offense or defense. In the NBA, like when in doubt, just draft a three and D wing if you can. I think Wendell Moore can do that. Jalen Williams from Santa Clara. Oh, uh, Jalen Williams seems like he's definitely going to be a uh, like back half of the lottery top 20 guy but we also used liked him too i think kalen houston who's really fallen but like yeah he's just so, like projects as like a three and d kind so, of so so there's like these which is like four wings right i won't put mcgowan's in this category and i won't put kendall brown in this category i do like kendall brown like a lot of athleticism a lot of playmaking for a really young guy from baylor but didn't really see it this year but it's kind of these like four freshman wings right that's like caleb houston patrick baldwin max christie peyton watson 
that all sort of like looked the part, have like great size, like were really good high school players. And then all of a sudden, you know, Pat Ball went to Milwaukee. It was a terrible decision. Yeah. He doesn't do anything but spot shoot. Like he can't really. Georgetown just hired his dad. Good. His dad seems a like year, a year too late, but. That seems like a good guy. Well, his dad was a head coach. But I know, but it would have been so, nice to get uh, him over Like there. we saw Pat Ball when mocked at like five starting the year. It seems like he's almost certainly going to be a second round pick. He's really unathletic. I like Peyton Watson the best of those four. I think he has more Paul George in him than anybody in terms of his like fluidity. But like Caleb Houston was the same thing. Like his jumper looks amazing. Yeah, he, he has got to be the greatest practice shooter of all time. But he just does not make jump shots in games. And I, I mean, he had the tournament game. I think it was their second round game against Tennessee where he was like electric. And you're like, man, here's the package. This is what you can see. But like he's slow. His body's not great. He's not a quick decision maker. And again. He's not shooting 45% for three like AJ Griffin to overcome some of those concerns. And I just was, Caleb Houston was probably the most surprising disappointment to me this year in college basketball. Cause man, he looks but, but is he a guy like Zaire Williams who had a really bad freshman year and got surprisingly drafted high 10th. And, and I think it's pretty good prospect still. That was probably worth the 10th pick. Um, so like, where do you take these like underperforming, so wings it's it's college basketball is not built for them really you talk about like um tankathon right and one of the things about tankathon is we plug them for another time in our podcast is that they do like the stats strengths and weaknesses right yeah where they have things and pluses and minuses i think caleb houston has the most most minuses i've ever seen for a guy based on like how tankathon uh would classify like the statistical benchmarks right a lot the of things are, <laughs> are fouls, draft age, and turnovers, and then basically everything else is a massive minus. Well, go on, go look up Chet on the same sort of metric because he's he's off the charts in a positive. Oh, I know you like Chet. Uh, let me tell you two other guys I really like. Okay, Christian Braun, Kansas, like him better than OG Ogbaji, even though I do like Ogbaji a little bit too. I think Braun's just a really good player, kind of wing, gives me a little bit of like. You know, I'm going to do the white on white comparison, but it gives me a little bit of like Grayson Allen vibes where like he can make a three, he can kind of defend, maybe, maybe actually more Pat Connington in terms of yeah, like he's, a, he's a little bit more rugged. But I, I think I really do like Christian Braun and I think in the second round. And then the other guy that I, I, I think is got a real chance is Justin Lewis from Marquette. And I think if you look at the guys from Marquette and how they play in the NBA, like he has a really thick lower body. I think he has to be a, a four man in the NBA even though he's only six, seven, but he can make a shot. He can make a three. He's pretty tough. He, he's pretty offensively inclined. If he can learn to guard and he can like keep his body in shape. Like I think Justin Lewis could be Jay Crowder in the NBA and Jay Crowder's a good NBA player. And, and yeah, I, but I don't know pick. if other teams kind of see that, uh, but I don't know. The, I've been really most, positive. I think on this show, normally I'm pretty the negative. most, the most interesting guy to watch. I probably not going to draft it, but just for our purposes, um, Kenneth Lofton Jr. I just want to mention it, but because Team USA guy looked played really well for Team USA, listed 6'7, 275, super productive in college for a small school, 22, 14, four assists. Well, how about how about uh, but I just wanted you to give your line? What's your line on Kenneth Lofton? Oh, I, I got a text that uh, so David Roddy, who may or may not get drafted from Colorado State, is kind of a like 6'5", like heavy dude. And somebody texted me, we were talking about draft prospects and I, I was told David Roddy was fat for a basketball player, but Kenneth Lofton was just fat for a human being. <laughs> I mean, he <laughs> looks like, dude. 
he looks like chubby, like chugging up and down, but he's just like really skilled. I'm just curious to see what, where his career goes. Is he going to be he's like a Euro great guy? Euro. He's going to be a fantastic Euro big. Uh, all right. Let me give you, let me give you two more things. Alondis Williams from Wake Forest, big point guard, maybe the best passer in the draft, not a great shooter. I think he's worth it in the back half of the second round. I think he's quite good. But the other guy, your Chet Holmgren, if you looked different theory, yes. have you watched film on John Butler from Florida State? Who is no, I, I know he's listed at seven. He's, se- he's like seven, seven, one, a little bit shy of seven, one, 174 pounds. And That's he can crazy. also shoot. And he's a freshman. And I do think he will get drafted and someone will put him on a two way. And he's way less skilled than Chad. Like, don't get me wrong. He's way less skilled. But he is the African-American version of Chad Holmgren. And he is maybe going to be drafted. So just another I would take a guy seven feet, just 170, just to. As a, like a social experiment. He shoots like, threes. That's what he does. Yeah. He's like a, he's like a stretch big. He also has a lot of negatives. Free throw percentage per wind shares, two point percentage. But yeah, seven feet tall, 174 pounds. What a little treat. I mean, it's such like a grass is greener kind of thing maybe, but to be the guy who can't gain weight fast enough, you know, wouldn't, wouldn't that be lovely? Yeah. If I was about to be picked in the top three in the NBA draft, it probably would be, but all right, that is it for us this week. I do think, Zan, like we talked about, this is there is we didn't really talk about any team specific needs or anything like that, but I do think this draft has a potential to have a lot of trades. Um, yeah, and I it'll think be that, interesting. And like whether where the superstars go, what something's going to happen. I, just, you know. I do think I, I feel like if you were a betting man, and I know you can obviously get odds on top three picks, but it does feel like this is going to be Jabari, Chet, Paolo, and that's probably better than even money at the moment, but. I think if I think there is a slight chance if Orlando can move Mo Bamba, that they would take Chet in that spot because we know how much Orlando values length. But I'm just curious to see teams like Sacramento and Indiana, like Portland, like do they just sit back and wait or do they get aggressive? One last question for you before we sign off. Who is the biggest name current NBA player that gets traded on Thursday night? On Thursday night, on draft night. On um, draft night. Well, there's reports that Brogdon is probably getting traded. And I, I think he's a good player still. Seems like he's out of there. <laughs> yeah, I think Brogdon gets traded. Is he a bigger name than like... I would say that you're... Brogdon, My, is Jeremy, Miles Turner a bigger name? Miles Turner. I think Brogdon's a bigger name than... So you basically, team. you don't think Brad Beal's getting traded, I guess. No, and, and I think... I'll make this prediction. I think Brogdon will get traded to Washington in an attempt to keep Bradley Beal, who will resign there. Yeah, they do need a point guard if they're going to attempt to win 41 games. Well, I just thought, like, the thing that made me think Bradley Beal staying is just, like, just the stat. I'm like, Bradley Beal can sign a five-year, 250 million contract. How do you pass that up? That's actually been one of my favorites. That's a very underrated. uh, I don't even know when the free agency show will be. We'll probably, maybe we'll grade the draft next week or take next week off and then do free agency after. I'm not sure, but... uh, you know, like Shams and Woj like had to tweet that like John Wall opted into his deal, but then had to like qualify it and be like, oh, the teams are working on his future. Like, dude, his deal was $47.5 million. Of course he opted in. This isn't oh, like yeah. a will he, won't he, like PJ Tucker, like he could opt in and make $7 million, or he could opt out and make like maybe $13 million. This is like, obviously he was opting in. Like, why do we need to tweet about it? Did anyone but, think that John Wall was going to not opt into his deal? But uh, the reason I think Brogdon's getting it traded is, one, they just traded for Halbert, and so he's not really needed. And then his contract's like big enough and risky enough given his injuries, where it's like you don't have to give up a lot for him at this point. Like they just really just seem like they want to get rid of him. So 
if your team like Washington or the Knicks or, or you want to be competitive in theory, like why not take a chance? Brogdon's fine. If you think yeah. he can play, the problem is he just he doesn't stay healthy. I, apparently, the Hawks are also like in play because like John Collins could get moved. And I oh yeah, John Collins I, would I do, be I do maybe feel, not as big a name, but a better player probably. Right? Yeah, and I do feel like that's the thing. Like I, I think a team like Atlanta, I think Phoenix, I, they obviously can't sign and trade Aiton currently. But like Aiton could be on the move, and it could be like, hey, we'll draft this guy, and then you know, underhanded, like whatever. But like, I think Portland, I think Portland, Phoenix, Indy, Atlanta, and then Washington are the are the teams to watch. I do think the Knicks will trade down as well. Just I have a question for you, and this might be, oh, you can cut this if you want. So Sacramento at four is considered like, what do they do? Who is the worst player that you would take to get out of that spot? Because they, they allegedly want to win now for whatever reason. Like, is it John Collins? Would you take John Collins for the fourth pick? Oh, just straight up player for straight the fourth up. pick? Yeah. Hmm. I'd have to look at their cap situation. I, I feel bad saying that, but like John Collins, I think is probably in this draft. I think John Collins under contract is probably close to that. I wouldn't do Jeremy Grant. I don't, I don't think he's quite that good. Uh, if Bradley I could Beal, take, what about Bradley yeah, Beal? I would, on a major I would, I would contract? Do, I would do Bradley Beal and just max him. I mean, you're the, the guy you draft, like Jaden Ivey could be better than Bradley Beal, but like, He's not going to be better than Bradley Beal for a couple of years. You know, there, there are very few guys, my own issues with Bradley Beal aside, there are very few guys in the NBA that can score 30 points a game. And, and Brad Beal can do that. So I would take Brad Beal for sure. And John Collins is an interesting one. DeAndre Ayton, I don't, again, I don't know that he'll yeah. get moved, but like Ayton is probably right on the cusp of like, would you do the fourth pick for him? I think just given the fact that you do have to give him a contract and, and again, so like the, the salary caps matter, right? But you're also not going to get like a young cost controlled star right like like we you know i would trade like josh giddy i would want for the fourth pick based on what we saw last year but like okay so he's not doing that obviously so and also like one other thing to flag i think portland's really interesting just because the idea is rebuild around lillard really quickly but, <laughs> but it's like but that's in, really hard to do in reality they probably should be shopping dame and this right. isn't I, I don't think this is the draft for it which is why i think they're like all right we're just gonna run it back with dame because like we love the guy but like if this was Victor Wambi, like I would be trying to trade Dame for the number one pick and nobody would take it, but no, just, but like, yeah, like the idea of like Dame plus Jeremy Grant, like what are we getting out of this? Really? You know, it's, it seems like Dame, Josh Hart, Jeremy Grant. Yeah. I, like I mean, him. maybe you get Every back to the Simons, playoffs, but you're just like ending him. up where you were before. I don't know that that team is like a lock to be the best, the eighth best team in the league. We'll see. All right. That's it for now. Draft is Thursday night. We will probably be back next week to talk about it and maybe talk about free agency because we'll hear some moratorium decisions pretty close to then. But uh, he is Zandrick under- Zan underscore Ellison on Twitter and Reddit. You can email the show Zandrick Ellison at gmail.com. And Zan, as always, buddy, it's a pleasure. Thanks for listening to the Underdog Sports NBA Show with your hosts, Tyler Laurie and Zandrick Ellison. Tune in next week for more NBA storylines and news.